Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday, live from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio. Uh, really interesting conversation, by the way, today with Dave Ziegler. Um, it wasn't at the podium, so it wasn't televised and it wasn't on, um, uh, you know, live streamed on, on, on the Raiders site, their, uh, their YouTube channel. Uh, we did it kind of off the beaten path a little bit, just really kind of a local uh, reporters that, that uh, cover the Raiders um, and had a, a good half hour talk with him uh, this morning or this afternoon. And it was really interesting. And in particular, I had asked him about Champ Kelly, the new assistant general manager. And at some point um, after, you know, we, we kind of go through it, we'll, we'll have some, some audio clips uh, from that interview. Uh, if not today, certainly tomorrow, but um Really interesting to hear Dave Ziegler talk about the new Raiders assistant general manager. Uh, like, really, really interesting. And it was interesting because, as Dave Ziegler pointed out to us, Champ Kelly interviewed Dave Ziegler when Dave Ziegler got his first NFL job. You talk about um, relationships. You talk about networking. You talk about how... Um, uh, working partnerships and relationships over the years leads to things that you may not even have ever imagined at the time your paths first crossed. But if you remember when Josh McDaniels got the head coaching job at the Denver Broncos, one of the first moves that he did was turn back to his good friend, Dave Ziegler, his former college teammate over at John Carroll university and said, Hey, um, we got an opening for a scouting assistant. Um, why don't you come in and interview for it? And, uh, I believe at the time Ziegler was coaching, I want to say high school football or maybe, um, a lower level college football, but, um, yeah, absolutely. And so who was the boss of the department that Dave Ziegler was seeking a job with for? Well, it was Chap Kelly with the Denver Broncos. And that's who literally interviewed Dave Ziegler. And so the years go on. They Everyone kind of goes in their separate directions, although Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels would end up reuniting in New England, in New England uh, a few years later. But Champ Kelly stays in, in uh, you know, in, in, in Denver. Then he goes over to the uh, Chicago Bears. They all stay in touch. And when Dave Ziegler gets the general manager's job, uh, here with the Raiders, one of the first things he does is, I want Champ Kelly as my assistant. And in listening to Dave Ziegler talk about Champ Kelly, um, th- I think that partnership is really going to serve the Raiders well. I think there's so much respect there, and so much of what Champ Kelly does can kind of fill in some, not blanks on Dave Ziegler, you just have to understand that this is such a complex job um, on a day-to-day level, and you have to prioritize prioritize what you do on a day-to-day level, that you need a 
somebody that you trust, somebody that talks the talk like you do, somebody that sees things as you do, but also has their own ideas to be able to offer suggestions and alternatives, somebody that has initiative, somebody who has ambition, somebody who has professionalism, somebody that, as Dave Ziegler said, does things before I even need, know that they need to be done. You know what I'm saying? Imagine having that, like being that in sync with somebody where Chef Kelly already, and this has only been about a month or so, is doing things instinctually, knowing that it needs to be done before he's even asked to do it. Um, like to the point where I, I think Dave said something along the lines of, you know, I, I, I say, hey, this is on your plate today. Yeah, already taken care of. So um, really listening to Dave Ziegler talk about uh, Champ and, and, and the addition of, of him already in that building and how the important role that that's going to play, I'm really fascinated to see how that all plays out. Now, having said all that, I'm just going to let you know right now that Champ Kelly is not long for the Raiders. He's going to go run his own program. Um, I don't want to put a time frame on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if this time next year we're congratulating Champ Kelly as a general manager uh, with another team. But for the time that he's going to be with the Raiders, um, I think it's going to be of tremendous value uh, to the Raiders. And, you know, we got a chance today to talk to Josh McDaniels about building the roster and, and the ways that the Raiders are going to go about building the roster. And here's what Josh McDaniels had to say about that. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to, you need to be able to uh, look at the whole year as an opportunity to improve your team. Uh, it's not just small windows in March or April. Um, there's opportunities, you know, in pro free agency, there's opportunities in the draft. There's opportunities after the draft with players that didn't get drafted. There's opportunities that are going to present themselves later on in the spring, the summer, um, you know, all the way through the course of the, the, the season, the trade deadline. So, um, you know, being patient and trying to develop your roster over time and taking a longer term approach to it um, is something that we're going to try to do. Um, we know we have areas where we got to address them at some point, um, whether that's a, a frontline player or depth. And But we're no different than any other team at this point in time. That's Josh McDaniels talking about roster construction. We also got a chance to talk to um, Dave Ziegler about that. And, boy, I'll tell you what, um, there were a lot of mentions between the two in the various times that we were able to talk uh, to both gentlemen about competition competition within the roster. I don't believe for one second right now anything is just going to be ordained to anybody in particular. Obviously, Darren Waller is Darren Waller. Derek Carr, um, you know, Hunter Renfro, uh, all of these. Why? Because they've proven that they could do it over a long period of time consistently day in and day out. There's no questioning, you know, the performance, the production, um, you know, the, the, the consistency of players like that. And so I'm not going to sit here and say everything is ordained for them, but they have to really, they'd have to just completely change colors at this point and become somebody that they've never been uh, for them to blow the opportunity that they have uh, or their, or, or, or their standing with the, the team right now. But, you know, everyone else, not everyone else. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously probably missing a few guys that are, that are, you know, you can, uh, put them in pen at their positions. 
but that doesn't mean that on a daily basis, you know, people are just going to be able to skate free. And that isn't the case really on any team. But when, you know, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels talk about building competition, what they're really saying is building depth and building the kind of depth where your second guy is literally pushing at the heels of your first guy. Not only to the point where, hey, if the starter goes down, we're very comfortable with the backup coming in and producing something similar. Not only in that regard, but also motivating the first uh, player, you know, the, the starting player, and staying motivated themselves because they understand that their opportunity for more playing time is just a snap away. And you're going to get rewarded for playing time, with playing time, if you continue to put the effort. So it's, it's, it's a performance plus work ethic that's going to get recognized and be rewarded. I'll never forget uh, when I was covering the Rams and, and Wade Phillips was talking. I know, you know, Corey Littleton, obviously he's had his issues uh, here with, with the Raiders, uh, but he was a darn good player with the Rams. And Wade Phillips, you know, told me a story about how, you know, trying to, after a while, he was playing so well on special teams. And when we would get him on the field um, in the in the limited time to, to actually play, he was flashing and making things happen. And it forced our hand as coaches because it forced us into a position where, what are we doing here? We need to figure out a way to get this guy on the field. So they drafted packages in order to get Corey Littleton on the field. That's like the perfect kind of a situation. And I think you're going to see that with the Raiders and this coaching staff in if they can get to a point, obviously, and it's, and part of it is on them picking the right players, but picking players who are going to push for playing time, even if the guy ahead of them is really good. But if you, let's talk about off or defensively, you know, if you're a player, a young player and showing a skill set, and showing a capability and showing a um, an ability to make plays when you get in there and do a good job, and you're putting your head in the books and you're sitting upright and being attentive in the classroom uh, and making every uh, you know use of your reps that you get in practice. If you're being diligent like that and showing them that you're a capable player. I think this is the type of coaching staff that's going to say, dang it, we weren't thinking this, but man, this guy's, this guy's forcing our hand. We got to find some ways to get him on the field. That's what produces the best football teams. When you're rewarding guys for hard work and obviously production, but also being open-minded and creative enough as a coach to say, you know what, in, 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 in this type of situation or this type of blitz package or this type of coverage look, we gotta get sixty. We gotta get fifty-four on the field. We gotta figure out ways to get them on the field, and you, it pushes you as a coach to be good too, and be creative, and do your job by getting the best players on the field in a consistent enough manner in which everybody's contributing. It's just a winning formula. And so when you hear, I don't think they're just paying lip service, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, to this notion of creating competition. It doesn't always have to be a bad thing in terms of, wow, this guy's not playing good, so we want we need somebody to push him. No, you want even your best players to be pushed. That's the great situation of all. 
Because if you could go 1 to 54, knowing that there's, there's you know, you know minimal drop-off or from your 1 to your 2 and sometimes your 3, man, that's a good world to live in. By the way, got a chance to, I was uh, headed over to uh, the media workroom uh, from the interview area, and who do I run into? Lovey Smith, uh, the new head coach of the uh, Houston Texans. Love Lovey, and I'm not making a play on words there. I, ha- I I walked past him, I stopped, and I went right back to him. He was he was uh, getting ready to do some some interviews with the Houston uh, folks, uh, but he was there by himself. I go, Lovey, you know, I got to tell you, man. And I told him, hey, I covered Nate Hobbs this year, and his. I mean, the smile on Lovey Smith's face when I mentioned Nate Hobbs was from here to Houston, Texas. Like literally, he just lit up when I mentioned Nate Hobbs. And I said, hey, man, I got to tell you that Nate Hobbs just speaks so highly of you. Like, and he does. And I've talked to Nate about this, about the contribution that Lovey Smith over at the University of Illinois played on the life and football life, not just off the field, but on the field, not just on the field, but off the field, of, of Nate Hobbs. Uh, Nate Hobbs, you know, to this day, feels like he owes that man a debt of gratitude that who knows if he'll ever truly be able to play. So I said, I go, you know, he never doesn't mention you. Like he, whenever we, we, we ask him about you, man, he just gives it up to you. And so Lovey Smith with this big, huge smile on his face, but he, he literally said, I could go on and on and on for a full day and talk about that kid right there, Nate Hobbs. And he said, man, that dude is a football Player, he goes. I'm not just talking about the position that he played, slot cornerback uh, last year. This kid can do it all. He's smart. He's tough. Um, he's he's a, he's an athlete. He's and he was you know I, I got him started. It was like I I pulled the uh, you know the the the, the string on the uh, on, on 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 the uh, Energizer buddy. He was just going on and on and on. We ended up having to you know uh, go our separate ways. But man, Lovey Smith had a lot of great things to say about Nate Hobbs. But again, those are the type of players, guys like that. Um, and I told Lovey this. I said, you know, day one in OTAs, he just, you couldn't take your eyes off Nate Hobbs. I'm telling you that. You know, if, if, if uh, some of you guys out there that are aspiring journalists, if you're a youngster um, and, and you want to get into pro sports, whether it's journalism or, you know, in pro sports, whatever, uh, when you when you get when you're as fortunate as I am, I sit there and get on my knees and and thank uh, you know the, the 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 big guy up there uh, or gal uh, whatever it is um, that 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 kind of controls all this stuff. I thank I, I I say my thanks all the time because I am fortunate and I never ever take that for granted. But when you get to this level, being able to kind of see it at the from the vantage point that we see it at, we're talking about the top 1% of people on this planet that do what these guys do. It's so I don't care if you're a practice squad player um, or an all pro there's talent out there all the time. And that's really obvious, but there's guys that just stand out even in that kind of a setting. Like they stand out among the standouts and Nate Hobbs last year as a rookie fifth round pick, from Illinois, all right, you know, what's this guy got? You know, not, not, you know, expecting a whole lot. If he can get on the field, great. Uh, more than likely, you know, uh, maybe the back end of, of, of a position group and play some special teams, 
Who knows? Maybe he's going to end up on a practice squad. It's a fifth-round pick. You can't go in with high expectations for a fifth-round pick. If you do, you're probably going to be disappointed quite often. There's usually a reason why they're drafted at that position of the draft. They're just not ready. They're never going to be ready. There were some flaws, whatever the case might be. Nate Hobbs, day one of OTAs last year, was just, who is, that's Nate Hobbs? All right. And then from that point on, through training camp, even without hitting, being allowed in training camp, he was always where he needed to be. He was always right on time. He was tipping balls. He's making interceptions. He's just, like, standing out among the standouts. And then, obviously, um, you know, in the preseason, he starts making some plays, a couple of sacks. He had the great interception against the Rams. I just, at that point, after the interception against the Rams, I go, this guy's the starter, and I don't see him ever turning back from that. And so it was great to see Lovey Smith, who took a kid from Louisville, who had one other offer, and I want to say it was like a Bowling Green or – um, you know, a mid a mid major. Nothing against those programs, but they're those programs, right? He didn't have that. Was it? That was that was the only option Nate Hobbs from Louisville, Kentucky had, and that's where he was headed. Lovey Smith it might have been Lovey's first year at Illinois. Now that I think about it, because remember he wasn't there that long. Lovey Smith, I guess, watches tape. And of this, you know, kid from from Louisville, Kentucky, and says, ah, "We got to this on the team." And late in the game, in that recruiting process, they're able to get Nate Hobbs on board with Illinois. Dude started his freshman year, never looked back, and has been a ball player ever since. It's 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 interesting to me how guys kind of fall through the cracks a little bit, and when I say falling through the cracks in his case. He should have never been a fifth-round pick, period. Not the way he played. He's too good to be a fifth-round pick. But for whatever reason, maybe, you know, it was Illinois. They weren't winning football games. Not a lot of people were necessarily paying attention. Um, there's there's all kinds of reasons why it probably happened. None of them really good because, if we're being honest, your job as a scout, whether – um, whatever level of scout you are, whatever conference, whatever part of the country, you're, whatever the team is, whether it's good or bad that you're looking at, it's your job to, to sift through all of that. And in spite of whatever the case might be, great team, bad team, a starter, a backup, a sub-package player or whatever, it's your job to pick them out. And figure it out. And too many people missed on Nate Hobbs. I don't know why, but it much to uh, the, you know the, the great uh, uh, you know benefit for the Raiders that Nate Hobbs was there and they drafted him. And to see Lovey Smith's face light up talking about Nate Hobbs um, was really cool to see. And I gotta say, it'll be interesting. I kicking myself now because we didn't ask um, you know uh, Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler about that. What's the plan for Nate Hobbs? Do you keep him in the slot? Valuable position, hard position to learn, and a bugaboo of a position for the Raiders over the years. That's not the easiest position to fill. It's in fact, it's one of the hardest nowadays. Why? Well, you're not just defending, you know, 
quick, quick titch, you know, tough to defend guys in the slot. I mean, that's, that's part of the challenge. And nowadays teams are putting all their wide receivers out of the slot. Sometimes, man, you don't know who's going to be lining up in the slot that you're going to have to defend down there. But the, what really separates it, what really um, is the <laughs> creates the great divide be, between the guys that can do it, like Nate Hobbs, and the guys that can't do it, like so many others that came before him. You got to be able to play the run. You don't have to just be able to play the run. You got to be willing to play the run. You got to be willing to understand and to know and be okay with the fact that there might be a big old guard coming your way, Jack. And he's coming for you to get you out of the way in order to create some space for that running back. So not only do you have to be physical, willing, tough, able, a good tackler to deal with the runner. Not all cornerbacks want to live in that world. But you also have to be able to deal with the guy that's trying to block for him. And you got to be aware, man, because that guy could be coming from any which angle and is ready to knock you into tomorrow. Nate Hobbs said, all right, bring it on, because I'm just as tough as you are. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, was he. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. live at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. No, no specific things relative to extending that at this point, uh, but that doesn't mean that's not going to change. Um, we are aware of where we're at on that in, in that process. I think we're just trying to get everything kind of set now in the building. Um, you know, our staff is obviously this has been a big chunk of this this first three or four weeks is trying to put the right people in in place here. Um, I've met and spoken to Derek a number of times now, um, just trying to begin our relationship. I think it's really an important one. Uh, the, the play caller, the quarterback, um, getting to know one another as people, kind of how we think, how we work. Uh, the football part of that will come later, uh, which I think is also an por- important part of the, the, the puzzle. But um, really happy with the opportunity that I've had to get to know him. Um, he's there. Um, you know, he's there in Nevada. He stays there in Nevada. So um, we're aware of where things are. Daniel's talking today about Derek Carr from the scouting combine here in Indianapolis. You're in the huddle with Vinny Boxer brought to you by Tequila and Bogart. Uh, Radio Nation Radio 920 AM. It's a Wednesday. You know, talking to Josh McDaniels today, um, not just about Derek Carr, but other players, uh, he was very prominent, I'd say. Very uh, stressful. Not in a stressed kind of way, but in a stressing kind of way. Stressing of something. The importance of building relationships with his players. On a couple of occasions, he said, the football part will come later. Build a relationship. Find out how we tick. What make, you know, he talked about Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. Getting to know people, building a foundation, a connect, connecting with them as people. Why is that important? You might want to ask. Well, think about what Josh McDaniels said 
on his first day on the job with the Raiders. Before anyone really got a chance to talk to him or ask him about kind of the elephant in the room, the elephant being his very short-lived tenure with the Denver Broncos, didn't even last two years with the Denver Broncos. He came in the first time head coach, 33 years old, coming from the New England Patriots where he was a hotshot young offensive assistant and he was going to go light the world on fire out in Denver and the rest was going to be history. Didn't work out that way, did it? As I just said, less than two years later, Josh McDaniels and the Denver Broncos parted ways and went their merry different ways. It just, it's, you know, I talked to a general manager when Josh McDaniels was being um, bandied about uh, as the, uh, as the Raiders head coach. And the response from the general manager is, look, it's on his resume. There's no, you, you, you can't just erase it. It happened. Whatever happened, happened in Denver. And for whatever reason, it didn't work. And the result was, I wouldn't say humiliating situation, but if you're Josh McDaniels, obviously that's not how you wanted it to work. Wanted it to work out. You're being shown the door before the end of your second season. I'm not going to say that's the worst it's ever been for somebody, but you know, it's it's up there. And Josh McDaniels, when he met with us that first time was very forthcoming about what his feelings and thoughts were on why it didn't work out. Why was this hotshot young coach who, uh, by everybody's estimation, smart as a whip, as creative as they come, just a guy that knows offense in and inside and out and, and, and creative, all of those things. How does he not work out? How does that not work out? And Josh McDaniels, the day that we first talked to him, didn't point any fingers, didn't say, well, I didn't have a quarterback, or, you know, did you see the offensive line? Yeah, it was going to take more than two years to get that thing fixed, or that defense, boy, I'll tell you what. You know, but seriously, no, he never even mentioned anything about the team that he inherited, the personnel uh, that he inherited, who was in play, none of that even came up. When Josh McDaniels, in a very reflective manner, looked back at his time in Denver and came up with some reasons why it didn't work out, and rather than using all the ready-made excuses, looked right in the mirror and said, if you want to find out why it didn't work out, that face that's glaring back at me was the reason why it was a big reason why and it had nothing to do with ability it had nothing to do with intelligence or can he coach football does he know football does he understand football all of those things were in place it had nothing to do with any of that what did it have to do with he forgot one of the key elements that makes everything in life any successful venture, any successful team, anything from running a great McDonald's to running a great NFL football team, possible. 
the one key ingredient, the one common thread in any of those endeavors that turn out great compared to the ones that fail famously, he completely overlooked. And that's, you're only as good as the people that are listening to you and the way that you can connect with them and the way that what you are teaching them is being absorbed and not only absorbed, but trusted. And um, all right, I'll take it from here. And it doesn't start and end with, this is the play right here. And we're going to run it as long as everybody does their job. This is why it's going to be great. That's why it's going to be, you know, it's going to be great. It, it doesn't, that's where it almost kind of ends in a lot of ways. That, that part of it ends up taking care of itself, I should say. It's long before you get to that point. Whether you're going to succeed or not. Where it really starts is the relationships with you have with the people that you're teaching it to and explaining it to and working together with. Bum Phillips had a great saying. There's a difference between getting people to do things and making people do things. If you could get people to do things, they respect you, you respect them, you've shown them respect, they're gonna respectfully do it, they're gonna, you're getting them to do it. It's, you're not making them do it. Making them, making them, you're going to make me do this? What if I don't want to do it this way? What if I'm not good with you? What if I don't like you? What if you've been just a horse's you-know-what to me? And now you want me to do this? It sounds like you're trying to make me do something. As opposed to, man, I'm all in. You're getting me to the point where I just want to do this for you and us together. He forgot in that first go around the importance of the human element that's involved in any great endeavor, let alone when you're trying to get 53 people on the same page to buy into their roles, sometimes roles that are more limited than the player wants or the person wants to buy into things and execute those things. And it doesn't take just a drill sergeant telling you to do that. It takes somebody that you've already established a relationship with and trust in and confidence in to say, not only am I listening to what you're saying, not only do I have confidence in what you're saying, but I trust you enough and like you enough that it's all go by end of things. That's what you're trying to get. And you can't get that if you don't have the first part already established. And that's the human connection. And so when I hear Josh McDaniels talking about, yeah, the football part, that'll take care of itself. That comes next. That's later on as he's building relationships and getting to know his new team, man, if you're a Raider fan, that's music 
to your ears. Because it is proof. And I'm not sitting here saying it's all going to work. Because there's also, can you pick the right players? Um, you know, all, do those players have talent? Are, can, can, can he and Dave Ziegler and, and their staffs, you know, put it all together from a football perspective? Obviously, that's going to come into play. But the lesson that he learned, Josh McDaniels, in that first go-around, it, he's heeding it right now as we speak. I talked to Derek Carr on Friday of last week. Specifically, well, among other things, but we specifically uh, spoke and talked about the relationship he's building with uh, Josh McDaniels and, and Dave Ziegler as well. And his thing was they've been great. And... We're, we're working along to it. You know, we're getting the, the family stuff and the how do you do's and the learning each other as people, you know, and, and you build on that. But that's how it has to start. And if you go back, this is so interesting to me, because if you go back to Josh McDaniels in Denver, what was the first thing that he did? He created a impediment between. Him and the quarterback, Jay Cutler. Now, we could all have our feelings about Jay Cutler. I don't know if you ever watched the TV shows that he was on or, or observed him on the sidelines interacting or not with his teammates. I'm just going to say this from afar, and I don't know Jay Cutler. Not even I've never even spoke to him in my life. Let's just put it that way. And I've always, always, always been hesitant to pass any judgment on people that reside outside of my circle. I might see things, I might hear things, I might have opinions, but until you get into my circle, anything that I say about you is secondhand knowledge or something I saw on video, and I don't personally feel like I'm qualified or smart enough to make any kind of a real deep assessment on who you are as a person until I deal with you. And I'm not sitting here thinking that I'm all that at all. I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to pass judgment on people. It's just a, a long way of saying that. Like, uh, unless you, obviously, if you're, you know, a, a, a serial murderer or, you know, a gangster or, uh, you know, somebody that lands in jail all the time, I'll, I have my suspicions about you at that point. But I'm talking about in our world that we're dealing with right now. Like I've, 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 I've heard stories about this guy or that guy or room or whatever. And all of a sudden in my circle, I'm, this dude's great. I like this dude. Hasn't I, whatever I've heard, seen, thought hasn't happened here. All right. So getting back to Jay Cutler, I'm just saying that, eh, I don't know. I have a little bit of, he just, he seemed like a, at the very least, kind of a, um, a weird bird, a different bird. Let's just say a different bird. Just kind of how he stood on his own. It is there was something about. So anyway, I'm not you know uh, propping him up necessarily. But the first thing that Josh McDaniels did, does when he gets to Denver is creates a distance between himself and the quarterback, and that just that whole relationship just blew up. It never had a chance. Never had a chance, right? And so there went that. I think looking back, like, I don't know what would have happened had they worked together. Who knows? Maybe he would have been the trick that got everything out 
of Jay Cutler. The guy was talented for, without question. He could throw the ball. But he never gave it a chance because he never really appears from the outside looking in and just in hearing his, his own assessment, never really gave it a chance, that relationship. And who knows what the cost of that was. Maybe it was his job. Maybe if he was on board with Jay Cutler and taking the time to get to know Jay and understand Jay Cutler and giving him an opportunity, maybe things would have been completely different. But it's a sign hearing him now talk about, it's not like Derek Hart is hard to like. That guy is as genuine as they come. But it sounds like he's heeding the lessons that he feels he learned from 12 years ago. And I think that's an exciting thing for the Raiders and Raider fans. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonadar. Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday, and we are live in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. Day two, can't wait to tomorrow. Offensive linemen. What position do the Raiders need? We'll talk to you in a little bit. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Absolutely. Um, everybody, you know, I have great respect for Bill and, and that process and, um, you know, uh, spoke to him directly multiple times about, you know, any interest that I had in people that were there, um, you know, and I'll keep those conversations private, but um, never do the wrong things relative to those things. Obviously, feel very fortunate that I had an opportunity to add a few people uh, that I've that I've worked with before, um, you know, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but yeah, just you know, try to do the right things relative to communicating, you know, with him or any other coach for that matter. If you're interested in somebody that works in their organization. That's Josh McDaniels uh, speaking today from the scouting combine here in Indianapolis about, um, you know, filling out his coaching staff and having to go prize some New England Patriot coaches away from uh, his former boss, Bill Belichick, uh, and bring him here to Las Vegas or to Las Vegas uh, as, as his assistant. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you're going to be on the up and up with all that. Um, so there's no going behind Bill Belichick's back. Imagine doing that. <clears throat> Man, be careful <laughs> with that. Um, and, and, you know, life is about respect uh, anyway. So as he said, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that process uh, because there's 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL. There's 32 teams in the NFL. It is a closed circuit world. And word starts spreading. And, when you know, when you start, like, stepping out of bounds and being – uh, dis deceitful and all that type of stuff and trying to um, find your way and make your way, uh, that's going to rub some people the wrong way and it's going to be the wrong people and um, and people have long memories. So, um, you know, interesting on uh, Josh McDaniels' part that uh, building the staff that he has so far, it's been a mixture of people that he's worked with, uh, whether it was, well, basically New England, um, a mixture of some experience, at, you know, keeping a guy like Edgar uh, Bennett, the wide receiver coach, uh, who I think has a uh, future as a head coach uh, before too long, um, you know, and, and and kind of being flexible and, and well-rounded uh, in, in that regard. Um, and so the thing is, the one thing is, aside from a guy like, you know, Patrick Graham, who there's a body of work of Patrick Graham as a defensive coordinator, 
Uh, and there's, there's, you know, uh, a, a lot to like about what he's done. I wouldn't get too caught up in all the numbers. Uh, because if you look at that New York Giants defense last year and the green and the uh, Miami Dolphins defense that he had, I think his first year in Miami, um, you know, there's just in some cases there just wasn't talent. And I'm sorry, but uh, I go always go back to my conversation with Doc Rivers after winning a championship with the big three. And he's saying, hey, man, I was calling the same plays for Paul Pierce and, you know, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen that I was Brian Scalabrini, which Three, what, what, uh, of what I just said, who do you think has a better chance of executing my brilliant plays uh, better? <laughs> the big three or Brian Scalabrini? And not that against Brian Scalabrini, the dude made the NBA, but you get my point. Um, sometimes we do get caught up in numbers and wins and losses and stuff, but, you know, uh, even in those cases, who knows? Maybe he got the most out of those guys. It just so happens that the ceiling for those guys uh, was that level right there you know so you can't just judge it based sometimes on results i know we're a results oriented business but in something like patrick graham's case uh the guy comes highly 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 regarded and respected uh, and sometimes you have to look at the whole picture in terms of who he was working with if there's some numbers that jump out at you that you're like oh those aren't good numbers well Sometimes it goes well beyond what he was teaching, what he was doing, what his scheme was. Sometimes it was guy, you know, the guy, the, the guy that was executing it at the end of the day just really wasn't, you know, all that good. Um, you besides him though, because there's 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 at least in Patrick Graham's case, there's something to really dive into um, as, as far as coordinating uh, a defense with Mick Lombardi. Definitely comes highly advertised. Uh, you know, highly advertised, but he's never had his own offense. Not to say that he's going to be running the offense here, um, but we just don't know. Uh, there's guys that have gotten promotions, you know, uh, the new Carmen Brasillo, the new offensive line coach. Um, he's only really been an assistant offensive line coach. Um, so I know that there was a period of time in New England where he kind of ran the show, but he was still the assistant. So um, there's some there's some young coaches that are getting a chance to move further up in their career that we just don't have the body of work necessarily to really formulate an opinion. That could be, it's not a bad thing. Um, how many times have we seen guys take their opportunity and seize it? So, you know, we'll, we'll see, but it's exciting times because there is an unknown element and there is, there's, you know, on that coaching staff, kind of a freshness to it. There's some youth, uh, there's some teachers, there's some veterans, um, you know, that, that are there. Uh, and, and, and there's a coach in Josh McDaniels who's given it his second go around um, as a head coach and trying to kind of show that he's capable of doing this. Uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting times. And it's, it was really fun today to sit down and, and you know, uh, talk to them, uh, talk to him and, and, and really also Dave Ziegler. That was a nice casual uh, setting kind of. Not that unnerved, but you know, when when uh, when when uh, Dave came to our table where we were all sitting, uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, we did we did. I introduced myself to him um, the day of the press conference, but it's such an overwhelming time that that was the last time I talked to Dave Ziegler. So you know, I'm not going to sit here and assume, "Oh yeah, of course he remembers who I am." Um, but and that's that's part of the, the the relationship building that will begin now has already kind of commenced. 
<clears throat> between us and, and and the general manager and the head coach, it's it's an important relationship. I would say there has to be some trust there, uh, no doubt about it, and um, uh, for 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 all sorts of various reasons. And the notion that reporters are out to just get guys and you know do all that, just get all the clicks. Well, I don't operate that way, so uh, maybe there are others that do, but most of the good ones don't. They want to just tell a good accurate 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 story of what's going on and sometimes you can only be as good as what your sources are and the relationships and the trust factor that you have um but it was funny when when dave came to our table and as we were going through the rounds of kind of reintroducing ourselves it's like oh yeah i i, I follow some of you guys on on twitter and <laughs> what you know so um he told us what his he kind of hinted what his twitter handle was so I got to figure out, you know, because uh, we're saying somebody asked him, you don't have a burner account? He goes, no, I have my own account. <laughs> you know, I just I, I sneak in there and <laughs> take a look at what's being said. And, and that's that's cool. I love it. I think it's great, um, to be honest with you, uh, because, you know, um, he should be. I would. Now, sometimes you got to fight the urge to, like, reply, <laughs> you know, if, if somebody said so, a knucklehead says something. You know, crazy. Uh, I don't always have that discipline. Uh, I am not ashamed to say, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think Dave Ziegler probably does. And uh, I did ask him today, though. Look, you know, you've come to Indianapolis not as a general manager your entire career up until this point, and yet today, really yesterday, you get into town and you're the general manager now. You know what? How different is that lens that you're looking through things now? and or seeing things now and he's like really different <laughs> totally different you know when basically his job primarily uh, throughout most of the recent years anyway with the patriots was was on the pro personnel side so it was only really last year i think where he got more say in the in the draft process so as the pro personnel guy what does that mean well the pro personnel guy is his office or her office is keeping an eye on everything that's going around on everybody's roster throughout the league. Why is that? Because invariably, somebody on that team, those teams, is going to be up for a trade, is going to become a free agent, is going to get cut, is going to you know uh, hit waivers, whatever the case might be, and become available. I need an army of people that has every bit of information on everybody that falls in that category. And that was what Dave Ziegler is. Now he comes to Indianapolis, not just looking at a pro personnel situation, free agents and that type of thing, but also the draft and everything else. And so it's definitely a lens. And tomorrow we're going to hear from Dave Ziegler. We've got uh, the sound from our interview that we did with him today. Going to get into that tomorrow. I can't wait. Also, it's offensive lineman day tomorrow. Yeah, I would say the Raiders are going to be focused on the offensive line uh, tomorrow, not only in the draft, but in free agency. They need to get that thing fixed. So big day tomorrow from Indianapolis. Can't wait to get at it. Uh, and can't wait for you to hear some of that sound from Dave Ziegler. I thought he was really interesting today when we talked to him. I want to say thanks to Austin Gale, the great Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Always a delight to have him on the show. I want to say thanks to the callers, the listeners. Thank you so much. You're why we do it. Damon Cotton, thank you. For doing what you do back at home base. Truly appreciate it. We're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle.